Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Well, as we hit now our full stride in this summer season, you would almost think that inflation is non-existent. I'm Chris William, and welcome again to the most widely watched and longest-running program on Carolina business policy and public affairs seen every week across North and South Carolina. So what is consumer behavior about higher gas prices, higher cost of living? And later on in the program, we have the chief financial officer for the state of South Carolina, not just about the economy here in our southern region, but what about things like inflation? What about ESG? Curtis Loftus joins us again, and we hope you stay with us because we will start right now. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Bob Morgan from the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce, Pat Kale from the Union County Chamber of Commerce, and special guest, Curtis Loftus, South Carolina Treasurer. Well, it seems like the full effects of summer are taking hold here in the Carolinas. Bob, you look tan, you look rested. Pat, welcome to the program. Happy summer to you both. You know, here we are, um, you know, the Carolinas summers are iconic. We end up flocking to the beaches, but there's this specter of inflation still hanging over us, and it's, it's, not, it's not minimal either. So, Pat, I'll start with you. Inf have we seen the, are we feeling, are we acting as if we've got this full effect of inflation yet? Wow, that's a great question. I, I think that, um, you know, about half of our workforce, th those who are of the age of working, leave our community every day to go to work somewhere else, whether it's down in South Carolina or Mecklenburg or wherever. And so I'm, I am hearing a lot of, of conversation uh, about obviously gas prices and inflation. At the same time, and I'm sure Bob is seeing this too, our businesses are continuing to do extremely well, right? And they're continuing, uh, obviously they're still facing some issues around supply chain and others, but it, it is a concern. It's a huge concern uh, for those, especially who are in underserved populations because this inflation most definitely hits that population and that community much worse than anyone else, but it does have a huge impact on business and we're watching it. We're very concerned about it. Bob, are we going to hit a tipping point? What do you think? We, you know, you have to assume so. Uh, Pat just said it's a concern. Uh, it is a concern, but it's a bit of a conundrum that behavior does not seem to have been mm -hmm. affected. Uh, restaurants are as busy as ever. Uh, tax collections in South Carolina in the month of April, uh, we added another almost $2 billion of surplus um, to the state, state revenues. So 
um, again, you just have to assume that at some point behaviors are affected. We're not seeing it yet. When does it show up? Is it all of a sudden happen and then we're fearful or is it, and I hate to say it this way, but are we whistling past the graveyard here? Either one of you? Well, Bob, again, uh, I, I, yeah, go ahead, Bob. Well, I was just gonna, again, logic tells us that at some point it has a, an impact and, and, and slows the economy down. And so, um, you know, not having seen that yet is a bit of a puzzle, but uh, there is tremendous concern that, uh, uh, that that's part of the future. And so, yeah. uh, you know, state government on both sides of the, the, the border, um, you know, do we have enough money with all these surplus dollars that we have now? How much do we put into a rainy day fund for when, uh, if and when things do in fact slow down uh, because of the inflation? You know, Pat, and I to, wonder, go ahead, you know, please, to, to your point, Chris, does it, does it happen immediately or is it something that just suddenly we, we discover? And, and to Bob's point, the behaviors aren't there yet, but I do believe that we're beginning again. I think it starts with a community that tends to be um, lower income. I think they begin to pull back first. And I think there'll be a point where we'll see it catch up, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's, it's definitely coming. Well, and to the broader policy, Bob, you just said it about, about budgets. And both, both Carolinas have billions of dollars in surpluses. So are we going to look, and, th and this is not an endorsement of one side of the aisle or the other one, but Bob, are we going to look back on this moment in time and say, you know, sitting on that money and not allocating a budget or a budget surplus maybe wasn't a bad idea? Well, there's so much money there that you can probably do both, right? I mean, there's an opportunity to play offense on some workforce development initiatives on transportation to accelerate some major transportation projects, to cut taxes um, modestly, um, and to, to sock some more money away. So it's a, um, you know, the, the, the surplus dollars are, are probably a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity to both invest where we need to, uh, but also to save some money for, for the rainy day ahead. Pat. Pat, it's looking like North Carolina, and here we are, and I'll call it press time here on June 3rd as the taping of this program, is there is a lot of momentum um, surprisingly happened quickly after years of not even considering Medicaid federal Medicaid expansion dollars in North Carolina. Now it seems like, if it gets through the House, that the North Carolina General Assembly is going to be one of those states that does accept it. How would you handicap it, knowing that we're a little bit early before the actual airing of this program? But is that one of these earmarks in North Carolina, that budget surplus plus taking uh, billions of dollars in Medicaid dollars? H how does this look six months or a year from now? Right, uh, so a year and a half, 18 months, 24 months ago, would you believe we would be having that conversation in North Carolina General Assembly? So um, obviously, um, you know, from what we're hearing and the conversations that we're having, there's a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of interest. Um, again, uh, considering where we've been in the past uh, related to withholding a budget because the, of the lack of that vote. So it's interesting to be here. Um, it, you know, we're, uh, as a chamber, we've not taken a position yet. We're doing a lot of studying on that, having conversations. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see where we head. But 
there's a seems to be a lot more momentum taking place in this area. Bob, do you think that the General Assembly in North Carolina is uh, emboldens the South Carolina State House to consider something similar? I've seen no evidence of that, Chris. Uh, we do have a gubernatorial race this year. Um, it is going to be part of the discussion. Both of the uh, two Democrat candidates who are running have said on day one that they would accept uh, Medicare expansion. Uh, but I, I, I do not see an appetite in the state house um, to take the same step as North Carolina. Are you feeling like you've got the wind at your back in the Palmetto State when it comes to one of your big agenda, one of your big priorities uh, for you and your members has been the idea of tax cuts. Is that going to be substantial? Well, the, uh, there's a conference committee now. The House and Senate have two competing tax cut proposals on the table. So, yes, we are going to get tax cuts. Um, it, the devil's in the details at this point. But um, we have long supported uh, for more than five years comprehensive tax reform. Um, these are tax cuts. They're good steps in the right direction. Um, but we would, uh, we'll be arguing as we go forward into 2023 and future years, we still need to take a more comprehensive look at our entire tax structure. And frankly, we need to be more competitive vis-a-vis -vis North Carolina, which 10 years ago uh, ended cut and put in place a tax structure uh, that's uh, uh, much more of a competitive advantage than what we currently enjoy. Pat, uh, specific to North Carolina, more talk, uh, as you said, 24 months ago, having the idea that North Carolina would accept Medicaid dollars was there, no way, not going to happen. Here we are. It's a different world. Um, and also when it comes to cannabis, medical marijuana, North Carolina looks like it's on the precipice. Would you forecast that that happens? Well, yeah, that, what a surprise, right? Interesting times that we are living in, for sure. Uh, yeah, def definitely some interesting things taking place in the General Assembly. I, I'm not sure that I, I buy the cannabis part of it. It'll be interesting. You know, they have certainly proved me wrong before, so it wouldn't be the first time, but uh, I'm not sure that I'm not sure about that one, mm -hmm. but the Medicaid expansion is, is certainly interesting. I, I think when you look back on um, where we've been the past couple of years through COVID, through uh, no, ha not having budgets, through now surpluses, and, and to Bob's point about the opportunity that we have as a state, not only to increase our rainy day fund, because I think North Carolina has certainly been focused on that, but also to make some much needed investments in infrastructure around transportation and um, you know broadband what they're now looking at redefining what what the term broadband means which is very important in fact in our legislative agenda here at the chamber we don't use that term anymore because it's too slow it's it's not effective you know when you're talking about 25 down three up that, that that's not uh, that's not what our community needs our community needs high-speed internet so anyway um, all of this comes back to a unique opportunity in our state to do some very interesting things well, and let, let me drop this in the mix. So do all of these priorities, Pat, as you just talked about them, and Bob, even South Carolina tax reform, com comprehensive or not, do they get crowded out now that, and even in South Carolina, Governor McMaster is talking about um, gun reform in an indirect way. So does gun reform now go to the fore? And both General Assembly start to talk about what that means in states that were traditionally don't tread on me type of attitudes when it came to guns. How does that how does that unwind, Bob? Yeah, I don't think we know. You know, the timing of this is our legislative session has formally ended. 
Um, there are still some conference committees that are going to deal with a very narrow list of, of issues, including uh, the budget and tax cuts. So um, things like gun laws, medical marijuana are, are really off the table mm -hmm. until the next session of the General Assembly starts in January. In the meantime, the state house is, um, is up for election. Uh, in November, the governor is up for election, of course, uh, in November. Um, I, you know, I don't know what the momentum will look like in January, whether it's dissipated from where we are today as a country or whether it's going to become a priority. I think the gubernatorial campaign um, will help us to see a little bit more clearly what the issues are going to be uh, come January of 2023. Okay. All right. Pat, uh, I'm going to give you the last minute here and specifically around Tepper Sports. Um, obviously, it has a social aspect, but it also has an economic development aspect, and we literally have a minute left. Pat, the idea that uh, Tepper Sports and Entertainment, the owner of the Panthers, David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, the owner of the Charlotte FC MLS franchise, had struck a deal that seemed to be set in cement, no pun intended, and we're coming out of the ground with a multi-hundred million dollar project in Rock Hill in York County, South Carolina. Now, that is a regional um, effort, but that has seemed to gone sideways completely. Not so much the social aspect, but not denying the social aspect. What the, the loss of goodwill possibly for the Panthers, for Charlotte FC, how does all this play out now, economic development uh, standards in the region for you? Wow, what, what? again, <laughs> another situation. Minute, with... the way. Can you do that in a minute? Yeah, yeah I think I can. Who'd have thunk, right? Who'd have thunk we'd be here talking about this? Um, anyway, I, I think that uh, this is certainly a, a, um, an interesting challenge for economic development uh, going forward. I think uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out, not only from a goodwill standing, but um, trust is an important part of business. Business hates the uncertainty, and this is certainly uncertain. Bob, you know the lay of the land. Uh, very quickly, is it going to get worse before it gets better with this back and forth? Chris, have never seen anything like this. It's bewildering to see a public-private partnership to crash and burn like this. Um, what is the end game? Where are the Panthers going to end up? We don't know that. We do know that Rock Hill has a, a, a beautiful piece of land. It is on the interstate. There's new interchange that is under construction as we speak. Um, something very positive will happen to that land. Unfortunately, it will not be the Panthers' headquarters and training facility. And uh, it, it, again, bewildering uh, and it, it makes you sick to your stomach to drive past that unfinished building and uh, and to wonder what in the world has happened to cause this deal to go go south the chief financial officer of any organization tends to know where the bodies are buried and not just fiscally but in general we are glad to have again we welcome back to the program the treasurer of the state of north carolina who is in effect the cfo uh your honor welcome back to the program good to see you sir thank you very much for having me Let's start with ESG. It is generally thought of as envir uh, environmental, social, and governance. ESG ratings matter. Uh, a couple of issues here, Mr. Treasurer, is how do you think ESG needs to be deployed or applied to what South Carolina's uh, financial structure is? And maybe just as importantly, what standard do we start to use? Because ESG seems to be a very fungible way of describing things. Well, of course, you know, ESG is, is problematic for a lot of reasons. There are literally hundreds of different standards that are used by different boards and commissions and, 
in entities. So there's there's no uh, conformity. Also, we've always had components of ESG in our ratings. So the states, we, we use the big rating agencies like everybody else. And now the last couple of years, they've started giving us ESG ratings. And uh, South Carolina did pretty well. We were neutral, which is great. A lot of states did far uh, less well. So we are happy about that because we, we think we're a well-run state. But we, uh, a, a lot of the state treasurers now and other officers are beginning to push back. Uh, it, there is too much politics and subjectivity in the standards and it really infringes on our abilities to be true to our, our uh, constituents. So we're a sovereign state in a federalist system. Our citizens rule, they tell us what to do. Our power is derived from them. And if we allow unelected uh, folks to impose upon us standards for their investments, that's a, a real problem for us. So we started kicking back about that. We do appreciate uh, what the radiations have done. I think they've done a fine job of rolling this out. You know, it wasn't easy. Uh, I've been treasurer now for what, 12 years, and we've never had a crossword with the rating agencies about anything. You know, we just had them, uh, we just, just went through our round of ratings. Mm -hmm. And so, they, and they know how I feel about this, but we're pushing back uh, because we just don't think it's appropriate for us to be corralled, if you will, into this ideology that is more political than it is financial. Okay, Bob, question? Um, Mr. Treasurer, good good morning. Um, how much money do we have in state and local government in South Carolina beyond what we've ever seen uh, in our history? It's incredible. Money keeps pouring in. Let's see, I've got to, I have to, I have to write down the numbers because you can't remember them to change so often. But the COVID bump has been great. We have uh, part of that COVID bump bump was $13.8 billion in the COVID acts and ARPA that for the fiscal year of 22-23 that that translates into $5.98 billion extra, $6 billion extra. So for a state like South Carolina, that's a huge sum of money. And fortunately, I don't have to decide where it goes. Our friends in the General Assembly have to worry about that. And uh, I kind of want to put in a plug for them because folks don't realize how hard it is as a part-time member of a general assembly to, to roll into the, to, to your session in January and find out the whole game has changed. And so I think they've done a fine job. They could have done better if they'd listened to me on everything, but they didn't. But so we're up the, the total state budget this year is going to be about $35 billion. And that's exclusive of the big ARPA funds. So um, it's great. We're, our unemployment is back up to pre-pandemic levels and uh, our unemployment is lower than it was and our employment is higher than it was. So life is good. Yes. Pat. Well, Mr. Treasurer, I'd, I'd like to ask some kind of a follow-up to that. So here's all this money. And, and of course, I know you don't make the decisions about where the money is spent. However, we've been talking about inflation and, and what does that look like for you? What are your concerns and what's keeping you up at night? Well, you just mentioned it, not just inflation, but my view of the future is darker than most folks. So I have to be careful about it. You know, I don't want to be Danny Dismal that comes in and, and you know, the three of you guys are, are tearing up before we leave. But I am really concerned about it. I'm pleased that our state funded its um, its trust funds, if you will, and they, and they even put money aside on top of that. 
while we've had great growth, and in fact, it, it appears to, it's going to continue well through next year at this higher higher level. Where they've already anticipated an extra four hundred million dollars for the first three quarters, uh, first uh, quarter. So we're looking at more money, but we want to be conservative to plan for less money and to make sure we have plenty of money on hand. So l- let me follow up with that. You said you're 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 darker than most on this. Are you are you concerned because of personal financial statements because of households and families? Are you worried that this tremendous amount of liquidity, as you just described South Carolina, South Carolina having a budget surplus, but also the federal system that poured so much money into it? I mean, what is it specifically that has you spooked? Well, as you know, uh, personal debt starting to go back up, credit card debts on the rise. And, and that doesn't bother me as much because all that you know, can be cyclical, especially if you look at a long term. I'm, I'm much more concerned about what's happening around the world. If you look around the world at what's going on, from, from Ukraine to our energy situation, uh, we've got serious problems. And uh, how can I say this? Mm-hmm. Uh, the state treasurer's also gotten involved with some of the administration when the administration was, in effect, putting the damper on uh, domestic production of energy, and which means we have to purchase it from elsewhere. And as we go into the, the supposed transfer to uh, greener energy. Well, there are a lot of concerns about the climate and what it's going to do to the planet. Many of them are founded, some are unfounded. But the one thing I know for sure is that the competition for scarce resources like energy causes present day real problems. Uh, the history of mankind is of armed struggle over these resources. and. At no time have we needed the resources more. So I worry about this bigger situation. I spent a lot of time in Ukraine. I understand what goes on there. You just have a house there. So I, I, I've understood what's happened there uh, from the beginning. And I, I am worried about those things. You look at what's happening in the, in the uh, tech uh, sector, and that's foreshadows a lot of other things. So I'm, I'm just very dark about it. I think South Carolina, as always, we don't go as high as others. And we don't go as low as others. We're kind of in that middle branch. You know, we, we, that's our demographics. So I feel better about us personally, but as far as the country as a whole, I'm very worried. Okay, Bob. So Mr. Treasurer, the, the South Carolina House and Senate have gone to conference over the budget and tax cuts. What, uh, what do you anticipate, particularly as it relates to the tax cuts, what do you anticipate coming out of, of conference? I think there's going to be a real brawl. I mean, I think we we haven't I think we haven't seen a brawl like this in a long time. It'll be fun for those who don't have to be in it, but I, I do think that they will they will meet in the middle. But you know, they have more money than they started with. You know, when they started to go into conference, now they've got more money, so that should ameliorate some of some of this. But no matter what happens, it's good for everybody. We're spending more money on education, law enforcement, healthcare services, infrastructure, economic development, something near and dear to your heart. It's all reaping this benefit. Now, what we have to make sure is it's spent properly. And uh, we, I've been urging everybody about don't be afraid to save money. Don't be afraid to hold it to the last minute before you spend it. At the Treasurer's Office and at the Comptroller General's Office, we can help with those, the billing and the checks part of it for last minute uh, purchases. We, we don't want to rush to spend. We want to make sure that all of these billions of dollars that are transformative are spent in a way that, that's appropriate for our state. Pat, we have about two minutes. 
Yeah, I just want to kind of end on a little different note. Um, workforce development is very important to us here at the Chamber. I know it's very important to, to Bob as well and to our region. And as a, I call myself a recovering banker, I'm a banker in my former life. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, the financial literacy program you have. I'm taking us in a totally different direction, but it comes back to this whole thing around if your vision is somewhat dark, then you must be very uh, focused. And I know you're an advocate for financial literacy. You want to share a little bit about that and the impact you think that can have on on the residents in, in South Carolina. I, I came into office just after the 2008-9-10 debacle. And you know, I had every fancy idea given to me of what happened. But what really happened was Americans thought that everybody was entitled to two new cars, a house, a beach house, and a pool. We just didn't understand what the limits of our income were. So that's why we were chasing mortgages. That's why we we're doing all these things that, that allowed us to get in trouble. So we worked hard on it in our little corner of the world. We're doing something different. You know, a lot of treasures involved in, in uh, uh, financial literacy. We're paying teachers. We've, we've gotten private money. We're teaching teachers about how to teach financial literacy in whatever class they're teaching. If it's biology, if it's phys ed, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're actually paying teachers and giving them bonuses so that they can insert this into their classes. And then we, then we give them additional funds if they teach other teachers. So we've got our own multi-level marketing and we're trying to force into a crowded cur curriculum, real financial literacy. It doesn't take much financial literacy to understand how to manage your money, but unfortunately, as a country, we do a terrible job of that. Literally, we have about 30 seconds left, uh, Mr. Treasurer. I wanna ask you this one thing. Um, and if, is there a shorthand way of figuring out the difference between inflation and price gouging? Mm -hmm. Uh, no, but I, I think uh, we have so many investment companies come through here and I ask them all about inflation. And the one thing they never say is we printed too much money. Well, we all learned that in freshman uh, college. And so that bothers me that we are reluctant just to get down to the basic fundamentals. Uh, supply chains, price gouging, all those things yeah. come into it, but we've got a money supply problem okay. and we got to work our way through that. Let's all pray for the Fed, make sure they get their right. rate hikes uh, Thank appropriately. You. Uh, Thank you. I, I'm sorry time. I asked you a, a complex question, didn't give you a lot of time. Thank you, sir, for being on again. Bob, nice to see you. Pat, good to see you. Happy summer. Until next week, I'm Chris William. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, the Duke Endowment, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you.